0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the QC Hornets Nest, a podcast powered by the Charlotte Observer. I'm your host and resident beat writer, Rod Boone. And each week, with the latest buzz, news, and nuggets on the Charlotte Hornets. I'll be telling you stories other shows won't, and give you inside access other shows can't. This week, I'm joined by Montrez Harrell. We discuss how he found out he was traded to the Hornets, his role, how he's been able to fit in so quickly, what's it been like to be playing in his home state, and more. So are you ready? Okay, let's go. Let's get it. Well, once again, just kind of as I wrote this week on our website, CharlotteObserver.com, it's hard hard to figure out with the Hornets which team is going to show up on any given night. And that's really a scary thing, not just for the opponents, but also for the Hornets. Because to me, you got to be a little more consistent at this point in the season. Here we are in March and you're essentially about a month or so away from the playoffs kind of kicking into high gear here. And the Hornets are on the fringe, as we know, still struggling there in that, like, ninth spot, jockeying between ninth and tenth, um, going to the weekend, believe it or not, and they were only a game behind the Nets for eighth. So it just, it's just the Hornets have to get it together. They just have to. Because if they don't, they're essentially uh, about a game and a half going to the weekend for pulling out a player positioning period. But if they turn it on somehow, some way, they could climb up as maybe up to them to again to eighth or seventh position, which will give them at least one home game in the playing tournament at minimum, if they can just just find a way to get to that point. So that to me is the biggest just I guess trick right now is figuring the right combination of players figuring out whatever it is, their formula to just get this thing going back in the right direction. And although it was kind of mocked a little bit on social media, uh, maybe Isaiah Thomas signing is going to be something that can actually help the us out more than what we thought. Because even though they didn't think he's going to come and actually play right away in his first action against Cleveland on Wednesday, he came, as we as we saw, he was able to just – do what he did and do what he does immediately once entering the game to go out there and drop 10 points and be a contributor and run the offense. When the mellow ball got in early foul trouble and it was in foul, foul trouble pretty much the entire game. So Isaiah Thomas coming in on a 10 day contract it's obviously way too early to determine if he'll be here beyond that. But from his, you know, first sampling, you got like what you've seen from him so far, the Hornets coaching staff, because there's been a need for somebody like him since they got rid of, um, Ed Smith in the trade to bring in Montrez Harold, um, who obviously we'll speak to a little bit later on in the show, but it's one of those things for the Hornets. They just, this team to me, is just so up and down and so maddening a little bit that you just want to know, do they really think they have it in them this year to be the team that they actually thought they were going to be able to, to be. I know Gordon Haywood is hurt. That's a major part of why they've been up and down whether people want to believe it or not because Gordon is kind of like a glue guy out there, sustains things on them from the floor in a variety of ways. But the Hornets have been really, again, just up and down on a roller coaster. And with less than 20 games left and them kind of jockeying back and forth and positioning, it's time for them to kind of get it together ASAP. And if they don't do it, soon again, they could find themselves out of playoff positioning. You know, they're not going to be threatened by the Knicks or Pacers. Those teams are pretty much out of it. You know, they're, they're five games behind the game, less than 20 games to go. It's more about the Wizards and teams like that. You know, if the Hornets can just make sure that they don't just collapse, they should be in good enough position to at least give themselves a chance to get to the 10th spot in terms of holding on to that. But really, they got to find a way to climb up to past the ninth spot to eighth or seventh. Again, they're four games behind the Raptors going to the weekend. That's a lot to make up, but it can be done. If you get a little hot stretch, they've, you know, this, again, is a team that can win four or five in a row. If they can do that a couple of times, you know, win four or five in a row, and then maybe lose one or two, and then win four or five in a row, again, that could put them in position. So it's going to be very interesting just to see how this whole thing shakes out the last few weeks here. Cause the Hornets, or in a spot where they can, again, either fall out of it or maybe make some noise here. But either way, I think most people will agree. They get their act together the way that they should and could. This is the team you don't want to face in the playoffs. I don't care if you're Philadelphia, you know, number two, number one seed, the Horns could somehow manage to get themselves in, like the number eight seed, and play uh, the Heat Bucks one of those teams or even, you know, the Sixers, they can give them a little bit of of a scare at minimum. So, but first things first, they got to get together and we'll see if it happens starting against the Spurs on Saturday. All right, time for this week's mailbag. And once again, thank you guys very much for submitting your questions. I really appreciate your interactive portion of the podcast. I just love this part of it. So thank you guys for submitting your questions. All right, first question comes via Twitter, and it comes from Jake G, whose Twitter handle is at J-G-E-N-O-V-E-R-E. And the question is, thoughts on JT Thor's development and how his spot in the rotation might shift once Jalen McDaniels is back? Good question, Jake. Uh, I think that actually JT Thor has played himself into the rotation for sure. Whether or not that sustains itself when Jalen comes back, we'll see, but I would think it has to a little bit, only because JT gives the Hornets a little bit of length out there on the floor. I'll see Jalen McDaniels with the same thing. Jalen's a very long guy, long wingspan. He get the three-pointer too. But I think JT just gives him a little bit more length out there. And his biggest thing right now is not knocking down his shine a little bit more on offense. If he was contributing a little bit more offensively, I would say for sure I could see him taking a little more minutes when Jalen McKims comes back whenever that will be. But the offensive part right now of this game is lacking a little bit. So that's the only reason I can see him not taking some minutes from McDaniels when that does happen. But JT has definitely gotten the attention of the coaching staff in a good way, and we'll see if that continues when Jalen comes back. So thanks for your question, JG. Appreciate that. All right, so I'm joined by Ma, Trez Harrell here. Uh, just first, Trez, just tell me, um, let's go back to the trade day, first of all. When you found you were traded, like, like, how did you find out? Was somebody told you, The agent, you found out on Twitter? how did you find out you got traded to the
1: Hornets? Uh, the GM actually called me, Tommy Shepard actually called me and told me that they was going to kind of go in the direction uh kinda of let me know that they'll be sending me back home and you know who they'll be getting back and you know there was no heart feelings there. Um it was basically a business decision but they kinda, of, you know, are in a rebuilding stage. Um, they kinda of blew up the whole team. So I kinda of basically got it from the front office and kinda of knew where I was going. So I mean it's a business honestly and, you know, I've been traded um I think this is my what third time maybe. Um my first time, um, you know, I, I realized it was a business. Um, the first time I was traded I told I I was told I wasn't gonna be in a trade. When it came down to Australia. So, honestly, I know it's a business. And, you know, in this game, it's not many guys who can just pick and choose where they go. You know, mm-hmm. it's only the top five, to ten guys that can really do that. Um, but, you know, you understand it's a business. And, you you know, basically just look at a new opportunity to come um, somewhere and just be able to, you know, impose your will and impose your presence, really. Yeah,
0: what have you um, – how's your role going so far with the Hornets? And, and just what do you expect to do as the season kind of finishes for you guys here?
1: Um, really just continue to keep getting better. Honestly, um, my role has been coming in and try to, you know, keep the young guys, um, you know, focus it, uh, basically just, you know, push us, um, with that spark and that energy, um, that I kind of provide for, um, every place I've been, um, in this league, really. Um, and, you know, that's just how it's really looked at it. But, you know, it's definitely, um, I mean, a lot more in the veteran, uh, leadership role because, you know, I'm one of the guys that's kind of older in the locker room. I think I'm probably the, well, now probably the fifth oldest guy in the locker room behind, uh, G Head World IT. Uh, and Mace, I think. But we also have um, each one in the locker room as well. So um, I think I'm probably like the football guy on the team, you know. So basically just helping the veterans be able to keep our young core group uh, locked in and basically, um, you know, focus on the right goal. I noticed, uh, I think it
0: might have been a Pistons game. Like, you were uh, a little animated. Um, the guys weren't playing probably the way you thought they should. Just what about that? How have you – Come in here, I guess, and try to impose that part of your your game, your better presence, to make sure the guys, when they're not playing the way maybe you think they should, you just you get on them, man, the, the way maybe a, a,
1: a dad would, so to speak, for the kids. Uh, I mean, basically, basically, it's more so I think uh, just from an older guy being on a, a bunch of teams that have been um, in a lot of different um, amounts of success, really, on the Western Conference, uh, and you know, just basically trying to bring that into you know the locker room and into you know. I'm trying to instill it into our young guys, man, because like I keep saying, this is a young group, man. I think it's a lot of guys in here that's like 20, 21, you know, some 22-year-olds. Um, and it's only, like I said, a handful of guys who have been in this league for a numerous amount of years and have been on, um, you know, winning that experience team. Jury. Uh, so honestly, I was just trying to, you know, I play with a lot of passing. I play with a lot of fire. Um, and some people, um, you know, mistake that the wrong way as far as, you know, oh, he's a guy that we can't really – you know, work with, or, you know, he's a guy that's already uh, concerned about himself, or all the little things they say, but it has nothing to do with that. I'm a guy that plays with passion, I play with fire, and I love playing the right way, you know, and I love playing winning basketball, that's all it's about with me. Um So if I feel like, you know, my team is just missing that spark, or they're missing, you know, some of that nature in that point of instance, I'm going to speak up about it because I'm not, you know, I'm from Carolina, I'm, I'm from around these areas, and I don't bite my tongue from nobody, man. So it, it, it's not about... You know who's right or who's wrong. It's basically just about all playing and all basically trying to get towards the right direction, and the right goal. Basically, it's not about you know oh uh, you're not gonna come here just yell at me or you know look at me. It's nothing to do with that, man. It's all about playing and winning basketball, and that's what we all um, on the team to do.
0: You mentioned uh, being from here, man. Seeing like the crowd is already like home crowds. Mm-hmm. They taken taken take to you already, man. What's that been like to kind of just be embraced by the home crowd and just go out there and you kind of just I guess get them to be enthused out there during these games. It's been fun, man,
1: because I've had a lot of places where, you know, the fans have definitely um, shown me a lot of love. The Clippers definitely was uh, one of those places. Um, But definitely uh, to be home and just to be able to, you know, come back around here throughout the summer and play in the Queen City and a lot of different things and just be in the city before um, this actually transpired, um, it's actually a blessing, man. Um, And it just feels good to be home, man. Like, uh, you know, you go to a lot of different places and you feel like, you know, you can be able to – Make it a home away from home, but you know this is actually home for me, man. I'm from North Carolina, so um, to actually be back around these parts, man. I, I've been around these parts of the areas for numerous uh, amount of years, even to back in my college days, man. I had uh, close friends, uh, you know, it's like brothers to me. That you know, a couple of them uh, played at Wake Forest, you know, um, you know, three or four of them graduated from winston Carolina State, State. So I've been around this area for a long amount of time, man. So actually be here and be around these guys and be around this uh, community and actually be in this fan base, it's a blessing, man.
0: You mentioned uh, the, the city and everything, man. Just what have you enjoyed most about being here so far in a short time here with the Hornets?
1: Honestly, man, like I said, just being home. You know, like just being able to, um, you know, DC was probably the closest that my family was able to um, come to me and actually uh, consistently see me play on almost my basis because it's basically the same amount of time um, from here to my home space, which is like three hours, but. Um, it's a little bit different, man. Because actually, I'm in North Carolina, man. Um, you know, when I was in DC, I, I was close to home. You know, I, I could tell people that I'm close to home. You know, on my off days and um, numerous times that we was off, I definitely I drove home a couple times. You know, just to be able to be around my family, um, checking on a couple businesses that I have back home. But um, this is actually a whole different, you know, swing. Like I'm actually home. I'm in North Carolina, man, and um, it's a blessing because I, I'm able to be able to drive three hours towards Raleigh direction to see my family, uh, my mom, my dad, them or I'm able to drive three hours the opposite direction and see my kids, my lady, and them. And uh, it's a blessing, man. I'm right here in the middle of basically both home fronts, man, um, on top of, like I said, being able to still call this, you know, my home state. I was going to
0: ask you about that, too, man, your kids. You mm-hmm. know, obviously they're at the games and stuff mm-hmm. like that, man. And I guess as a dad, like, what does that mean to you be able to not only be around them closer but kind of have them see you do what you do
1: as they kind of grow up? Uh, it's my world, man. Honestly, um, my kids come into my post game uh, interviews, man. Um, as much as I can, have them walking um, to the locker room and stuff with me, man. I try to let them experience all these different things because, you know, I didn't get to see anything. My dad didn't play a professional sport. You know, my dad and my mom, they, they worked their toe off to put, you know, me and my brothers to school and they did an amazing job and, you know, gave their all, you know, even when they didn't have it at times. But, you know, my kids, I want them to be able to see the things that their dad didn't even get a chance to even know that it was possible to see, man. So that's what it's about for me, man. My kids are my world. Um, I talk to them every day, FaceTime, um, you know, actually just to see them grow. Um, you know, they went to the park yesterday, and my son is actually um, on a swing now, actually knows how to swing, um, you know, the full leg motion and everything, man. And I, I almost wanted to cry a little bit because these are moments that are just, like, you know, wild and shocking, man, like to the point. Like my son, he lost teeth now. He knows about the whole, like, losing teeth stage. And, you know, it's just funny just to see him go through the stage, man. And it's amazing, man. And then my daughter, she's, oh, my God, um, man, she's a little woman in her own. You know, she's three years old. And, um, you know, the things that she's learning and so attentive doing, man, she's so smart. Um, And it's just I love how they're so joined together at the hip. You know, they're basically a year apart. Um, My son's four, my daughter's three. Um, and they're literally side-by-side side through everything, man. Um, it comes to a point that, you know, we're um, at a wall to the point where we feel like, you know, we might have to separate them a little bit more into some things because um, when they go into certain things, they feel like, you know, their brother or their sister has to be there, um, you know, which is amazing. I love it as uh, siblings, but um, when they go out here into the world, you know, we just got to start chopping it up a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm blessed, man, to be able to have my kids, man. They're, they're a huge fresh air for me. Um, you know, to be able to be a dad, um, my dad did an amazing job with me and my um, two younger brothers, man, so I'm just trying to be able to take um, out the trace, um, not only him, but, you know, my grandfather um, and my uncles has basically taught me on uh, being a man. It seems
0: like you're, you're really happy here, man. I mean, obviously, it's, it's not just about family stuff. It's also about the team. Just what can you guys do this last month of the season? I know it's about the playoffs and everything else. One game mm-hmm. at a time, but... What you've seen so far is how good is this team, and what can you guys do if you get your to act together the way you think you can?
1: Right, man, we're scary good, man, because you see emphasis on points in the game, man. We're up eight, 30, 20-plus points, man. But like I said, it goes back to the nature of, you know, we have to stay locked in, man, but it's a young group of guys, man. So um, you're going to see those lapses, man. You're going to see lapses where, you know, these guys are up 20, 30 points in the block. It's going to be a walkaway game, man, but – it comes down to, you know, that, that veteran aspect, you know, being in, the, in this game for a long amount of time, knowing that, you know, this game is never really over, you know. So um, basically, you know, just um, the closing of the, uh, of the game, man, basically the closing of the year, man. We just got closed the right way. Um, like I said, even to the point of imagine what we were playing in Cleveland the other night, man. It was a big 20, 30-plus, man, and they ended up walking down and made the tight game. We can't have those lapses, man. Um, I, like I said, I, I know it's a young team, but we got to understand the process of where we want to go, what we're trying to get to, man. And we got to understand that um, on any given night, we can be beat. And then when we're up and we don't work our tails to put this lead to a substantial amount, that's not, you know, waste all of it by giving it right back and not having to come back in and, and ramp up to try to make ourselves play to close out this game. Mm-hmm. You know, so basically just things like that. Um, And, you know, like I said, this team has a – had a lot of seasons left, man. Um, it's a lot of games left still to play. I think 18-plus games still left to close out the season. Um, but all 18 of them definitely matter, man. Um, so we're just going to take it one game at a time. Um, like we've been doing um, these past couple games, we started, uh, like I said, a hot off from Cleveland the other night. Ended up, you know, getting a little shaky, but closed out to a W. And we're going to try to come in here tomorrow. Um, the Spurs played a... Tough game yesterday. I watched it versus the Kings. Um, you know they're gonna come in here with a lot of fire uh, firepower and you know ready to play because that's what pop system is about. But like I said, we're gonna take it one game at a time. Look to rack up as many wins as we can to keep moving us up those slides in the East. And then honestly, um, we you know having to be in the play-in game, we know what comes with that. You know it's either win two games you're in, win one game you're in. But mm-hmm. the matter uh, the fact of the matter is, is you get in. I mean that's simple. Um, What's about and. Um, I've been in those situations before, man. I I played in the NCAA tournament and kind of been in that mode and kind of know how that goes. So basically, it kind of just gets me back to that mindset. But like I said, we can't look forward to those um, days, to those times right now because we got to take it one game at a time.
0: Time for this week's look ahead. And as anybody knows with this team that we just talked about, it's hard to know what team's going to show up on any given night. But, the Hornets have a game coming up on Saturday at home against the Spurs that they have to win. The Spurs are struggling. They're one of the you know, worst teams in the Western Conference, even though obviously they're coached by Greg Popovich, who is the master in terms of um, you know being the person who essentially uh, guided James Borrego in his coaching career and kind of led him to where he is now with the Hornets. But that's a game the Hornets have to win. They have to win that game. Because coming up next week, they have a tough back to back, even though they're both games are at home against Brooklyn and the Celtics. Two teams that are in front of them, obviously, for playoff positioning, and two teams that, you know, although they've beaten this year, the Hornets have, they still also could lose those guys. This is easily because, you know, Brooklyn should have Kevin Durant back, and Celtics are playing some of their best ball the entire season. So those are not going to be two easy games at all. And then after that, you go on a little mini two-game road trip that begins on Friday, beginning in New Orleans against the Pelicans. And while that should be a quote-unquote gimme game, Pelicans actually have snuck into playoff positioning in the Western Conference. They're right the last spot there in the playing tournament at number 10 going to the weekend's action. So that's not a gimme game either. But, again, four games coming up, Hornets got to get at least two of these games. Got to be at least two and two. So at, at minimum, you want to get that game against the Spurs on Saturday – and the game against the Pelicans on the road. Then if you split against the Celtics and and um and Nets, then great. You know, then then you're you're you know you're three and one really. But if you lose both of those games and you can still find a way to beat the Spurs and also find a way to beat the Pelicans, then you're two and two. So we'll see how it goes. But the look ahead, the Hornets have two games that they should be able to win this week. We'll see if they're able to actually do it. Well, so there you have it. Once again, many thanks to Montrez Harold for joining me this week. And thanks to you also for joining me this week on the latest app of the QC Hornets Nest. I'm Rod Boone. For more Hornets content, check out TrelloObserver.com. And for a special sub offer to gain access, click the link in my stories where it says support my work with a digital subscription. All right. Until next time, we out.